Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening, downloading, and subscribing to the latest edition of the 12 Kyle podcast. I'm 12 Kyle. Check this out. On this podcast, we're going to talk about black fatherhood. Now, for me, I think one of the things that actually stood out to me was something that I just kind of came to a realization just a couple of days ago. I was looking around and I was thinking about my close friends, the friends that I have in my crew. And I realized something about all of us. Everybody to a man of my closest male friends all had their fathers in their life. And it's something that really stood out to me at that particular moment because it was something that I never really thought about. But everybody growing up had their father in their life, even the ones, the friends that I had who parents weren't together. And so I said, you know what, that would be a great topic to talk about on the podcast. Black fatherhood. And since we're coming up. On Father's Day at the time of this recording, I reached out to two of the homies, D Love Hall and Easy Does It VA. And on this podcast, we talk about our journeys as young black men into becoming black fathers. And we also share some stories about what we learned from our fathers and how they helped mold us, and some funny stories as well. So sit back, relax. We'll drop the theme music and we'll get the podcast jumping. Let's get it. Welcome back. Once again, it's your boy, 12 Kyle, the 12 Kyle podcast. And we're talking about black fatherhood. And um, as I mentioned in the intro, we got two special guests. Now, if you've been following the podcast, you know these two guys. Uh, They've been on a couple of podcasts. The most recent one was (laughs) the comical and controversial and funny uh, podcast about Allen Iverson, Michael Jordan, and LeBron James. Uh, So without further ado, let me introduce my first guest. You know him. You love him. Uh, he, he, he's got a, he's got an album out. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, D Love Hall, D Love Hall, say what's up to the people. <sighs> what's up to the people? <laughs> I mean, we gonna keep doing this, man. I mean, I gotta give you a proper intro so the people know, uh, you, the people who right. didn't hear those podcasts, they know who you are. Right. I, I very much appreciate it, my brother. How y'all doing this evening? Hey man, as always, man, glad, glad to have you on. Um, my second guest again. Uh, no stranger to the podcast. Uh, you you heard him on the last podcast. Uh, he went head to head with Allen Iverson. Ba- ladies and gentlemen, uh, my boy <laughs> Easy Does It, V A, aka my boy Zell. Zell, what up, man? What's up, man? Same old man, same old. Yeah, man. We got a lot of positive feedback from last podcast, man. People really, really loved your story about you and Allen Iverson going head to head. <laughs> I'm sure they did. <laughs> <laughs> Making the ball disappear. <laughs> I listened to that podcast the other day, man, and I still was at my desk cracking the hell up. 
is funny. So if you, if for those of you listening, if you haven't heard that podcast, when you finish listening to this one, uh, take a listen to that one. It's a two-parter. Uh, you'll enjoy it. None the same. Um, as I mentioned in the intro, we're talking about black fatherhood. Uh, we're coming up at the time of this recording. We're coming up on Father's Day. And, um, you know, I, I, for those of you who follow the podcast and you know me, you know that uh, D. Love Hall, a.k.a. Derek, and Easy Does a VA, a.k.a. Zell, uh, these are two of my childhood friends. And what I was doing was, like, the other day, I was kind of thinking about my childhood and I thought about these guys because I thought about like our crew of every everybody that, you know, I consider to be crew. And I looked around and everybody in my crew, I, I, I noticed, had one common thing. We all had our fathers in our lives and like we all grew up with our fathers in our lives. So there was nobody that I could kind of point to and say, OK, well, well, you know, he didn't have a dad or he didn't know who his dad is or anything like that. So and while that seemed to be, I guess, the norm. Um, for us, I really didn't meet a lot of people that didn't know who, who their father fathers were until I got to like, I guess, college, I guess. Um, but, you know, for the most part, you know, most of the people that I knew and that hung around with, you know, either if their parents weren't together, they still were, you know, their fathers took an active role in their lives. So got me to thinking about fatherhood and being a father as myself. Um, so I wanted to get these cats on so we could talk about fatherhood. We'll talk a little bit about our fathers. Uh, we'll talk about, you know, uh, our <laughs> our journey as, as fathers as well. So um, it's going to be an entertaining podcast nonetheless. Uh, so I guess we should start right there from the beginning, man. Um, and uh, Zell, I'll start first with you, man. Uh, for those listening who don't know your father, just describe your father. What what kind of man was your father and, uh, you know, what what did he mean to you? Um. Mm. Well, you know, my dad was like, um, uh, you know, I think at one point in time, I think, Kyle, I was listening to your podcast while about a while back when you had blog talk radio. <laughs> back in the day. I recall, I, for, I forgot the young lady's name. I believe it was Sweet Stiletto. Okay. And she was uh, re- talking about love language. Right. And she talked about how in relationships there are, different love languages that are expressed by individuals. And a lot of times people don't understand each other's love language. Therefore there's a breakdown because that's not their definition of love. So my, my dad's love language is, is different because he was very like a provider mm-hmm. and he was very functional, um, very black and white, um, not very much emotion. I think men from that era, you know, uh, my dad passed away last year. He was 86 when he passed away, but men that come from that, that era, they, um, whatever they have seen, you know, they have a little different emotional, um, you know, their emotional intelligence is a little different. They, they mm-hmm. just, they just, they don't, they're not very vulnerable. Right, <laughs> you know what right. I'm saying? I can't, I can tell you on one hand how many times I've seen my dad even actually shed a tear, like, mm. you know, actually shed a tear. So, um, so his love language, man, like, for example, if you need, you come home and, you know, you come home to visit, he'll say, he'll slide $20 in your hand and put some <laughs> gas in the car. <laughs> you know, that was his thing. You know, I call home with some problems and I'd be all upset and fussing and, oh my God, this, that, and the third. When I was emotional, He'll say, hold on, let me let you talk to your mama. You know what I'm saying? 
I see. But then when it was time to make a decision on something, and when it was time to, hey, this is what I'm going to do, then he was back into the picture. He just didn't do a whole lot of the emotional thing. He just, mm-hmm. he kind of was a problem solver, you know, and what you going to do about it? That was his, that was his response to me every time I complained. What you going to do about it? Okay. What you going to do about it? So he was that type of dad, man. You know, I miss him. And um, right. he was one of those guys that, uh, you know, I don't know anything about masculinity without him. Okay. And um, so for people who don't have, you know, father figures, man, it's amazing sometimes how you can even structure and understand the depths of your masculinity. I mean, how can you understand when you've never really seen it? All you've seen is versions of it through television or through a neighbor or through an uncle or something like that and not being able to have that accessible to you day to day. I mean, that can be problematic as you become a man. It mm-hmm. can be because you don't, you don't know where to draw from where where you where you're drawn from but my dad was that type of dude man he was a you know hard-working provider and um he handled his business no doubt no doubt uh, what about you d uh tell tell the people a little bit about your father you know we we always um all us three we always have these conversations right and you you never send us what we're going to talk about because you know we're not going to study it right that's always funny but what's funny about this particular situation or this, this this topic is I was just having this conversation with someone last week who was speaking about fathers, in particular black fathers not being around. Mm-hmm. And I told them I apologize that all of my friends I grew up with had their fathers. It's amazing that you actually talked about that. I just talked about this last week. Mm-hmm. That all of my friends, that all of my, my closest crew members, we all had our fathers. So I apologize that you don't know what that's like. You know, you can't keep saying black fathers not around because all of my friends, all of our fathers were around. So that I'll start with that. Okay. Um, in regards to my situation, I mean, you know, I don't really talk about it much. It was a, it was a, it was a tough time. You know, um, I, uh, contrary to popular belief, I had a father who stayed around when my parents split. Mm. Um, you know, my mom's dipped, and you know that was a. <laughs> that was tricky. I'm going to leave it at that. Um, my father wasn't prepared to raise me as a single dad. So much like Mr. Washington, the emotional things, the, 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 uh, emotional communications, I didn't get a lot of that. You know, I, I got the, the real tough love and growing up in Oakland Heights, you know, it was like, sometimes he had to do what he had to do. And I had to, I saw some things that was kind of, you know, when I look back, I go, damn, you know, wow, <laughs> you know, wow, wow, wow. But my father, for anything anybody thinks of him, my father was there for me way more than I ever knew. <clears throat> we have conversations now where he tells me that he came to he came to games when I was in JV squad. He came to band competitions. You know, he came to TI. I didn't know that because he wasn't the one to try to. He did. He did. He never talked about it. He mm-hmm. never really expressed that. And much like Mr. Washington, I never saw my father shed a tear, even at his mother's funeral. Mm-hmm. He didn't shed a tear. That's just not who Dwight is. Y'all know Dwight. That's just not who he is. He don't show that. Now, the older that I get, the older that he and I get, and the more conversations we have, we do have reflective moments where he'll remind me of something that I've tried to box in or box out from the world. And, um, you know, he, he, he provides something for me now that I did not, I, maybe I wouldn't even allow it to register 
when I was younger. I was so caught up in being angry with that situation mm-hmm. that I, I probably blocked out a lot of what he was trying to provide. But the, the, the more we talk now and we reflect on things, my dad was there way more than I ever knew. And he's there now. During the rough times now, he's there. Right. I can call him anytime. I can talk to him. I can ride to the crib and just, you know, get some get some some good feedback. I don't always like it. You know, I know how he is. I don't always know <laughs> what he's got to say. But sometimes he, he, he gives me that swift kick even at 45. So, I mean, I, I'm, I'm very appreciative of the fact that he he's admitted to me that when they split, he wasn't ready. Mm-hmm. He, did, he didn't know how to handle me. He didn't know how to handle being a single dad. You know, he didn't have a great example of himself. You know, he, he but he knew how to work and he knew how to provide. And he did that in in masses, masses. He just did that. And it's good to know now that when I need him the most now, even at my age of 45, he's there. Mm. And he's always going to be there. And he's there for y'all. Oh no question. I mean, you know, he, he's always, you know, how my man Zell doing. He he got my he got my uh, my my my, uh, my bathroom drawn up yet. <laughs> you know, he's always doing that. I tried to call Kyle. He didn't answer his phone. You know, he, 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 he he's always checking in on all of y'all because that's who he's always been in his own way. Right. So I'm 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 very appreciative of what he what he represents as a father and as a man. Yo, it's funny because it's funny you mentioned that because I, I texted him the other day. And I said, I was like, I, the question I asked him, I said, well, like, who is your top five NBA centers of all time? And I sent the text. And, I, you know, so I'm thinking he's going to text me back or whatever like that. <laughs> he called me in like two minutes. <laughs> and so I was at work. He was like, man, what's up? I was like, hey, what's up, Dwight? And he was like, yeah, I, I called you because I, um, I was going to put Elijah one on my list, but I can't spell Elijah one. <laughs> 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 so man we had a nice conversation man so yeah you, you both of you and it's, it's interesting hearing you guys talk about your dads because you know i, I see them through a different prism obviously not because i saw him from afar but like zell's dad was he was always cool man i mean like real soft-spoken but he he was stern in the sense you can kind of tell like he was a no no nonsense dad but you know, every time I saw him and every time he was around, you know, he always made me feel like a son and made me feel comfortable in, in, in your home. And, right. you know, same for Dwight. You know, he just he's I mean, he cracks me up now. I mean, he's, he's like a second father and we'll we'll text and he'll call me and we'll call each other at least once every two or three weeks. Um, as far as my dad, my dad is uh, it's weird, man, because I remember when my brother and I were younger, my dad always told us, he said, you know, when you get older, he said, I'll be more like your best friend than I am your dad. And that's that's really and truly how, how it is. Um, if you followed me and followed me through these social mediums, you know, you've seen my dad or heard my dad when I had the radio show. He'd call in and, um, you know, <laughs> my dad swear up and down he's hip. So, he, you know, if I'm talking about a rapper, he wanted, you know, because he told me, he's like, yeah. It's like, can you, I want you to get me, send me that uh, Kendrick Lamar. I want to see, I want to listen to see, see what he's rapping about. You know, so he tries to stay up on rap and stuff like that. Um, but uh, he, he was, uh, as a father, man, he, he's been just uh, growing up. He was, you know, stern and disciplinarian, but also he, he, he gave us a good example. I mean, he was just a friend, somebody we could talk to. Um, much like Uzel, not a lot of emotion per se, um, but I do remember, uh, I think – 
I think the only time I ever saw him cry was when uh, when they told us that they were getting a divorce. Um, but you know, we were constantly loved, and we knew we were loved, and he, you know, he would tell us that he loved us, and um, <clears throat> you know, we even say that even more now so than we did, you know, when I was coming up. But uh, man, my dad was the coolest man. I mean, my Superman, and you know, I tell people all the time, like I think for me, he set the bar very high as a father. And I feel like, you know, if I and I tell any and I've said this, you know, from day one, if I could be half the father that he was to me and my brother, then, you know, I feel like I've accomplished as what I was set out to do as as a father myself. Um, And that's not that doesn't have anything to do with X's and O's or, you know, salaries or careers, anything like that, because, you know, career wise, I've exceeded him. But I don't feel like, you know, I still feel like I'm chasing him as far as, you know, being a father and what I mean to my children as far as like what he meant to me and my brother and my sister for that matter too as well. So, um, but yeah, he, he's the coolest. He's the coolest. He's, he's my Superman. I mean, it's even to this day, you know, I'll, we talk every other day. If we don't talk, we text and, you know, I'll ask, I'll call him and if, if I'm not, and I, and I pride myself on knowing a lot of stuff, but sometimes, you know, you don't have the answers. Sometimes you just need to talk, you know, I'll call him and he'll, we just talk. And then, and then there's other times where I, I call him, and he just talks. <laughs> and and when I call him and he just talks, trust me, you know, you could you have you know like how you you can just be riding and, and you're in a bad area and you be in a bad area and you thinking, Okay, this person's talking, I'm gonna lose the signal. Well, I lose the signal, come back and he's still talking. He ain't even know I left. So he just you know, sometimes you just gotta let dad just go. But um but yeah, that's that's how my dad is as a father. Now, um conversely Zell, and I'll start with you. Describe you as a father. Who 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 is who is Zell the father? Sheesh. Um, <laughs> man, I'm hard on myself, man. I'm probably the worst critic. I probably could have, you know, I probably criticize my myself probably more than I should at times. But as a father, I think I'm very um I think I try to look at what my father did in terms of how he was as a parent and how he was as a man and what he did as a father to me, I try to look at that and take the good from it. Cause you know, that part, there was some good to being, you know, stern about your business, mm-hmm. you know, having a different kind of love language. And there were some other things like being emotionally available at times. Maybe that wasn't his strength, but you know, I, I can't speak to why he was like that, but that's just the way it was. So I try to be a little more nurturing than, than my father and, and have a little more conversations. I tell my kids, I love them out. You know, my dad, had an ex- a love you know he expressed love but i mean he would never i mean my dad would you walk out the house and like he'd, he'd give you a handshake you know what i'm saying shake your hand be like all right but you know i mean it'd be like you know like you know I, you shake your hand like you know so with just no respect no nah, I, I mean you if you hug him he probably look at you kind of crazy like you know you're too close you know what i'm saying <laughs> <laughs> you know you're too close so from that standpoint i try to like feel in where i think you know i I think could be improved the model can be improved from one generation to the next Mm. is being a little more um understanding having more conversations you know telling my kids i love them so i I think from that standpoint you know i'm dealing with a different dynamic now because i'm not uh the custodial parent i'm i'm a i'm a you know um uh, divorcee trying to co-parent 
And that dynamic has its challenges, but I'm still able to impart, you know, my wisdom on my children and try to at least give them a little bit of that Washington DNA. And um, and so I try to, you know, I try to do it all. I, mean, I try to be the stern, you know, no nonsense and also try to have fun with them and, you know, let them know that it's okay to have fun. Sometimes you got to let your head down. Everything ain't a rat race. Everything ain't a bill being paid. Everything ain't about that all the time. Mm-hmm. And you got to enjoy life. You know, little little doses at a time, man. If not, it'll fly by, and you know, you don't you don't get a chance to have these quality moments, these memories that you create with your kids. So, you know, from that standpoint, I think I'm overall, I think I'm pretty, I'm a pretty good father, and um, you know, um, the co-parenting thing is hard, but the, the 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 fatherhood part, I think, has its rewards because you're not always on deck in a co-parenting dynamic. Mm-hmm. When you do have opportunities to be with your kids, you got to kind of make it work. You know, you can't. You know, you can't take it for granted. You got to try to enjoy them because, I mean, time flies. Next yeah. thing you know, they're going to have a license and <laughs> rolling up. they're going to be leaving the crib. And, you know what I'm saying? They're going to be coming through, stealing food at your refrigerator. And you ain't going to have no time with them, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, so, um, yeah, um, okay as a father, man, and trying to improve on the model a little bit from what my father gave to me. No doubt. No doubt. What about you, D? Um, a lot of similarities in that. A, a whole lot of similarities. Um, for on my on my 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 on my on my part, uh, the co-parenting is a little easier on my on my side. But you know, we'll, right. you know, everybody has their different dynamics how how they work on things. Um, you know, you you try to be understanding because this new generation is <laughs> is, is 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 mad tricky. Right, is mad, and for anybody who tries to believe that it's not like it's, it's like the eighties and the seventies, how we came up. You are sadly mistaken. I try to give this warning to people who don't have kids yet. They are so, I, I want a baby so bad. Like you better understand something. This, this new generation has so many tricks up their sleeves and so many opportunities to do the wrong thing. You got to be there more than you probably can be. Mm. You gotta, you gotta work with other parents. You gotta, coordinate a lot of you know secret meetings of how you're going to cover some things because these these kids nowadays they have so many avenues to go wrong so quickly so easily that you got to stay on top of your game at all times you don't have time to really be a, a half a parent anymore you don't really have that luxury of, of being halfway there you got to fully commit and then some nowadays because if not you're gonna mess around and and and, and have a, a instagram model you know, it, it, it happens quickly. Oh, I'm, I'm just saying. Hey, I believe you. Quickly. I believe you. It, it can happen just like that. So, I mean, you got to stay on top of your game. And I try to, you know, I, I try to take some of the lessons that, that Dwight instilled. I actually, um, I, I take a little bit from all of our parents, actually, because, you know, when we all became crew, y'all's parents became my parents. Right. So I actually take a little bit from all of our parents to try to incorporate into mine because there is no one right way Mm. to get it done. There's no one wrong way either, but there's definitely no one right one right way. And I often have to tell these some of these guys who want to do this. I'm like, listen, man, you can listen to somebody and take their advice, but you still got to implement somewhat of who you are right. and your values and your, your core into your children, because they're going to carry your name. They're going to, when, when you're gone, they're going to be carrying your name. So you have to instill somewhat uh, what you believe in them, even when they resist it. 
They're going to they're going to resist. No, no child is going to take in everything you try to feed them. That's not going to happen. But you have to you have to try to instill as much as you can core values into them, because at certain points, they all leave. Just like Zeke said, they're going to leave. You're going to be driving off and coming back to the crib to the food. They're going to leave. You have to try your best to instill as many core values in them before they leave. And that's what I try to do, because Kai is close. I know you. I know you already got one out. Yeah. Dion, Dion's out. You know, so I know that. So sometimes I, I I listen to you without telling you I'm listening to you. <laughs> how y'all deal with Dion? Because I'm I'm close. Yeah, man. You know what I mean? So I, I got to make sure that when you Tosh, you know, y'all got kids that just left. I'm listening to y'all stories and and taking that in, and I try to sometimes implement that into my style as well to get Kyrie ready. So it's 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 different things I try to do, but I always try to you know instill the best of me in them. No doubt, no doubt. That's a great point. Um, describe me as a father. Um, I, I'm the you know I'm the reigning father of the year champion. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, look, now let me stop. Um, I, I'm a little bit of of everything, man. I I'm, I'm definitely a lot like my dad. Um, you know, just like the old saying, the apple don't fall far from the tree. I'm stern. Uh, you know, I, I'm tough on them. Uh, having three sons and a daughter. Uh, <clears throat> I'm very tough on them, but at the same time, you know, I also give them room to, and it's, it's interesting because like I was telling them the other day, I'm like, look, I give y'all, a, I give y'all the floor where y'all can express yourselves, where you can kind of talk back and, and say, you know, how you feel. I was like, your grandmother and grandfather ain't get, they ain't give us no floor. It was <laughs> it was clean up your room, shut your mouth, or I'm gonna knock your ass out. You know, that's what it was. But um, but um, uh, but I'm loving. I'm I'm a little. I'm I'm like you know, Julius from uh, uh, everybody hates Chris mixed in with a little bit of you know Cliff Cliff Huxtable, um, with a little bit of Martin. So I, I'm I'm stern. I'm I'm funny, um. But I I enjoy this time, especially as the kids are getting older, because, you know, and and one thing I've learned in fatherhood is that, uh, you know, with us having four children and the biggest thing that I've learned really quickly was that unlike me and my brother, who are very similar, each of my four children are different, vastly different. So even how I parent them is different, like you know, one I might be able to yell at. One, the other one you can't yell at. You know, the other one you gotta, you kind of gotta, you know, give him pats on the back to get him going. You know what I'm saying? The attaboys, and then you know, it's it's almost like coaching. You you have to kind of figure out which buttons you can push. And to be honest, the kids are kids, so they figure out. And it's almost like some days they're plotting. Okay, which one of us want to piss dad off today? You know that type of thing. So. um but um, but no, I, I'm I'm a little bit of everything with the kids. I I, I think uh, you know I, I I try to make sure that I listen, um, and I'm you know talking to them constantly, and with and, and I and I give them the floor to talk and and say what it is they have to say. I make sure that we spend time. You know, dinner time is like a huge thing for me. Is like for us to that's the only time we all sit down, and you know we can talk as a family and. Um, we didn't really have that a lot when I was a kid, you know, because, you know, your mom might be coming, coming in, she might be cooking and she might be going right back out to choir rehearsal and dad might be getting off work or whatever like that. So, um, we have a pretty, pretty even family structure here. Um, 
But um, but yeah, I, I'm um, you know, and, and I mean, <laughs> as the kids have gotten older, they'll tell you that you know, uh, dad tells stories, <laughs> so <laughs> they they hear stories about how, what we used to do, and you know this type of thing and I, I almost have a story for just about every every scenario that they ask me about so um at some point they're going to get tired of the stories but right now i still hit them with the stories though um but yeah that's 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 me as a father man that's me as a father um so i want to the next question i want to throw to ud uh let's take it back man let's take it back to <laughs> what did you do when you first found out that your wife was pregnant. What was the, I mean, like the first moment <clears throat> when you knew you was about to be a dad? Wow. Um, oh my. <laughs> this is going to sound a little uh, disingenuous. Okay. I don't remember. <laughs> Damn, D. <laughs> I, you, like the moment that I found out she was pregnant? Yeah. yeah I, um, I, I don't remember. I mean, I know actual, that was some years ago. I mean, yeah, but I, I don't. So Sixteen years ago. Sixteen years ago. I don't remember. The, I don't remember. I remember when she was going into labor. Okay. Well, you I give me that. that, give me that then. But well, that's gonna sound funny to you because I had just left Atlanta. <laughs> uh, yeah. Was that when we were me, hanging out at? Uh... Me and Zell had came down. For was that for my birthday party? No. Okay. Cause we we um it might have you know what it might have been one of your yeah. birthday parties. Yeah, it yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. Party. Yes, yeah. it was. Yes, it was. It was my birthday. <laughs> but it was in November, which I don't. That's why it was so weird. It was yeah, November. It was exactly. Right it was my birthday right party in November. That's right. That's okay. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We were down there for that weekend. Yep. And um, yep. when we came back, she went to labor that that next day. Wow. Literally that next day, I remember that because I was back at the crib trying to put the uh, the uh, crib together. Hey, it's gonna sound crazy, but I didn't know she was. I didn't know you left your your pregnant well, wife she, to come to she, my party. Well, Kaya was a month early. She was a premium. Oh yeah, that's right. Her that's due right. date was December twenty second. She okay. came November twenty sixth. Okay. So that's why. And and her mom, her mom, and her family was at the house when I was in Atlanta. We had it, it was all coordinated. Okay. okay. And, and for but, those of you listening, no. I didn't have Derek come to my party. This was a surprise party thrown for me. I had no clue. They knew yes. about the party. I didn't. It was all cool. Everything was coordinated. Okay. But um, okay. yeah, we when I when I got back that next day, we went to have a checkup, and the doctor said that the umbilical cord had wrapped around her neck, so she had to go in the labor right then and there. Wow. So everything changed. Like everything flashed right then and there. I was like, oh shit, this is about to go down. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas in my mind, we got a month left. Right. I got a month. So I remember that anxiety kicking in because it happened right then and there. And that anxiety kicked and everything I thought I had planned in my head, I had to rush it. And then, my, my, my relax, my relaxed time and chill time was gone. Right. And then when she got here, how did, how did the world change? Um, I realized that for the first time, my, my, my life, kind of meant more than what I was allowing myself to believe it was to be. Because you got to remember when, when I was going through my joint with my parents, you know, I didn't know what I was going to be. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I went to the army and wild out, jumped out of planes and helicopters because I just didn't give up by nothing. I'm just going to do whatever I want to do. I'm crazy. I'm wild. Rah, rah. And then when Kaya came, I realized that I got to 
back up and everything that I've done, I got to wash that clean because everything I do from this point on is going to be about her and create a better life for her. No doubt. So it wasn't about it wasn't about just me just trying to I was I was going through a time trying to wash out my old demons. Gotcha. Uh, And when she got here, I shut that whole thing down and everything became about making things better. So she don't ever have to see what I had to see. Gotcha. Gotcha. What about you, Zell? When you first found out that moment that that pregnancy test came up positive. <laughs> yeah, we um we actually um uh, we plan we you know we were kind of out in front of it because we were working on starting a family, so it okay. wasn't it wasn't like a um. A, a shock or a oops or you know any yeah, so, so it was a planned skeet yeah yeah <laughs> yeah man yeah, <laughs> it's skeet wow I don't think I do that <laughs> yeah yeah it was I mean cause we uh, I think at the time we were um we had got married we waited we wanted to wait a couple of years but get settled in to before we started having kids and that's exactly what we did so um and um, so it wasn't a shock when I heard the news. You know, it's just the, uh, you know, like I think, like Hadi said, it's kind of acknowledging like your life is about to take a shift, mm-hmm. and you, and you just don't know how and what and when where, <laughs> but it's about, to, uh, it's about to shift. You can't really prepare for it, but so much, you know, you can you can have plans in your mind to the cows come home, but until you actually have to go through the day to day process of raising a child, you know, that's the only real true understanding that you have of the impact. Mm, so, um, you know, we anticipate it, but you know, it's different when you, when it actually comes and it's there and in the emergency room and when she had the kid, you know, it just, it changed, it changed the way I saw the world. I mean, yeah. truly like, you know, Derek was jumping out of planes, but we was, we was, I probably was selfish as hell and just trying to, you know, buy fresh jeans and polo. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I was still, I was still trying to be fly. I wanted my fit to be right. I wanted the seams and my sneakers to look good. Like I was, you know, I was, I was, still, I was still thinking it. You know, it was about you know me. Oh. You know, when you have a kid, you realize that you know some of the little superficial, artificial things in your life. You know, they gotta you gotta bump some of that down now. Right. So. It's about Pampers and Similac and <laughs> child care. Child care and who going out this weekend. You can you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you got weekend duty. You know what I'm saying? Daddy duty. Just, uh, hey. Ain't nothing like having like back to back daddy duty weekends, but you be pouting after that second week. <laughs> you be looking at Hey, you be looking at your lady when she come in the house with your face be all types of bald. <laughs> especially when they babies and you got around, they got to change the pamper and feed them man, and man. all that, man. Like, you know, yeah, man. And that's the one thing about my father. This is, I'm going back now that I, I know it was a big difference. You know, when they came through in their generation, you know, when it came to nurturing a child, you know, you know, I, I know it's a different day and time, but that was really, you know, largely up to the women. You know what I'm saying? Oh, no question. Yeah, I, I don't picture your dad as somebody in the back of the yeah, day changing just, no diaper. Hey, so, so, like, when I used to have daddy do the weekends, bro, 
He ain't understand. <laughs> the disgust in my father. Bro. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, I used to feel so small. Because it used to be like, you home with the kids again? He like, Damn, like, I mean... I mean, I mean, he used to like stutter and just get upset. Like, wait, 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 Changing no oh pamper, but you, oh, but what you mean? My dad used to call when I had daddy do the man. He used to be disappointed, like, oh you, my god, you, you accept the duty willingly? Like, hey, <laughs> <laughs> I, I used to, I used to go at that daddy duty weekend, man. I used to try to punch my chest out, like, you know, work next week. You know, I got to get this stuff done. I can't be sitting around the house all weekend. And because I try to, like, as if my dad don't punk me to stay home oh with that your dad is that's funny that is yeah. so funny so, so so for sure man having kids and adjusting to parenting and um you know impact to your life is is for real so yeah i definitely definitely remember it yeah I, um <laughs> our situation was different we weren't married um at the time sharice was actually in college and i was here in atlanta and she was at south carolina state and um i remember uh <laughs> she came here one weekend and and uh, she was like, I think I'm late. <laughs> I'm like, late for what? <laughs> and uh, I remember she was like, I, I think my cycle is late because, you know, it hadn't come on. And she, she'd she been taking the pills. So I was like, we good. We good money. I mean, we've been dating for like five years now. It, you know, it didn't matter. And um, what happened was she had some type of rash or something on her arm or something like this. So she had to take some antibiotics. And antibiotics ended up killing the potency of the pill. So, boom, boom, here we are. We're pregnant. So, I remember just, I, I remember that moment just looking at the thing. And I think it, I think it's supposed to turn blue. <laughs> Man, that thing went from like pink to hot pink. And then when it, when it turned like hot pink, I was getting excited. I was like, oh, we straight, we straight. Man, that thing turned to like Carolina blue, you know, <laughs> crip blue. <laughs> it was like Dodger blue. I was like, oh. And so we just look, I mean, our first reaction, we just looked at each other and just started laughing. Like, we just looked at each other and just really, we just, we laughed for about five minutes, man. We were just so, and I don't even know, if I, to be honest, I don't even know why we were laughing, but we were just happy. You know, we, we it wasn't anything we were playing, but I had already graduated and moved to Atlanta and, you know, kind of gotten settled here and, and everything. Um, but having Dion, what that taught me just, I mean, like, like you said, I saw the world totally different. Um, you know, he was the most important thing in my life. Um, and still is. And, um, and, uh, you know, how I view the world and, and like you said, I, I was trying to take over Atlanta. I was, (laughs) I was trying to take over Atlanta and I realized like, okay, you can't be a a media mogul. You can't, you know, you ain't gonna make all the money. You're gonna have to, you know, provide for this child and, you know, do what you're supposed to do and, and, and be in his life and do what, do the right thing and just be the example that you need him to be for him. You need to be the man that you need to be for him. 
and um it just kind of took off from there but yeah having a child i mean it was it was uh it was a beautiful experience and um you know i wouldn't i'll never forget that i'll never forget that and it 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 changed my life and again changed the way i looked at the world and and also kind of changed how i moved in the world too you know because you just when you got kids you just realize you know just some stuff you just you just you you think about other people you don't think about yourself you know what i'm saying so yeah, I still wanted to go in Foot Locker and get J's, but, you know, if I got J's, I had to get him some J's. So, you know, it's like that. Or or maybe I'll go get him some J's and don't get me no J's. So, uh, you know, you just think about your kids first. And you and, he, and that's – it's innate, and that's what we do now. We still put our kids first, you know. So we we make sacrifices, and, you know, it's the same sacrifices our parents made for us. Um, let's take it back. Um, D, give us a, a funny moment or one of the funniest moments you remember – with your dad. Oh, funny moments. We don't have a lot of funny moments. Um, Y'all got some funny. You mean like you mean like when I was growing up? I mean, like growing up, growing, growing up, up, or even hey, even as um, an adult. I tell you what. Um, when I joined the army, right? Uh, you know, I was eighteen when I went to take my physical and all that, so I didn't need his permission to sign up. And I was so determined to leave Florence because I and I initially wanted to join the Air Force. But I couldn't wait for the Air Force to respond to my ASVAB test. So I went with the first one, which is the Army. I went to Columbia to uh, take the physical and then look at what they had to offer. Before I left, Dwight was like, listen, go take the physical, see what they're offering, but don't sign shit. Don't you <laughs> sign a damn thing. And I was like, all right, you know, whatever. I ain't going to sign it. Man, I couldn't sign it fast enough. I signed that joint. As soon as they made the first offer, they, they just said, when you can leave. I was like a week later, like, all right, we got you. I signed up. I got home that night. And I showed him the paperwork, and he didn't say a word to me, right? Wow. He looked at it. He saw that I signed it. I had this. I probably had an evil smirk, like, yeah, take that. And he gave me a look like, okay. The next day, he went to the recruiter's office, and he threatened a recruiter to kill him. (laughs) (laughs) Are you serious? The next day. He went to the recruiter's office and he threatened to kill him for having his son sign papers that he didn't know he was signing. And they had to get him up out of there. Oh, that's funny. And I don't know if he ever really forgave me for doing that particular move, but I was 18, so I was thinking I'm bad, I'm tough. I'm right, tough. right, right. And he didn't want to do that to me that night. He didn't say a word. I know how he get, he didn't say a word to me. So that, he that, saw the so paper. You knew he was mad. He handed it to me and left, and I thought, oh, shit. I at least wanted him to say something. He didn't say a word to me. But that next day, he went to the recruiter's office and threatened him and then came back and let me know, yeah, I was going to kill you, little recruiter. <laughs> and I was like, what are you talking about? Yeah, I went to the recruiter. I was going to kill him. I was going to get my hands on I was going to kill him for making oh, you sign that God. paperwork. And I was like, oh, okay. That is and that might have been the first time I realized that he was really off. Yeah. He had <laughs> hidden, it, hidden it well before then. But that moment, he let me know, like, yeah. I'll do something. Wow. <laughs> that is funny. I never heard that story. That is funny. I don't talk about that one because he, he don't really let nobody know that he did that. But yeah, he, he went up there and threatened him. Well, I hope he hears this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and listen, it's factual. What are you going right, to do to me right. now? Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah, what are you going to say to me? I know he go here. What about you, sir? Yeah. Any funny moments from your dad? Funny moments. I got a few, man. I think y'all might have heard this one before. I know they they spoke to this at his funeral and I think I've mentioned it again that 
at their 50th uh, wedding anniversary um, during that celebration they had. But um, my dad was like, you know, he, he was a little bit militant. I mean, he definitely was, um, you know, older man, you know, and that his age, you know, he's seen a lot in terms of like racial injustice and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, so he always was a very, um, you know, he, he, he questioned the man, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> Question. We, we know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Significant. Significant questions for the man. So one thing back in the days, man, my dad used to, um, you know, we, we used to go. I remember the Kroger over there on Evans yeah. where the Kroger was. There used to be the high grocery store at one time as far as newness and, you know, had the dope produce, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> and, and look, man, we we in the joint and my dad, you know. Like a hundred dollars worth of groceries back then was like a buggy full of crap. Right. A hundred dollars worth of groceries now is, you know, pretty much a third of your buggy is full. That's a hundred dollars. Um <laughs> and my dad used to fill up the buggy with groceries, you know. We we used to go do the big shopping and then they would um you know, he would write a check and they would want to check his ID. So he would always give them a hard time. He was like, Man, either you're gonna take this check uh, you ain't taking nothing. There's all you getting. All the information is on the check, Jack. You ain't getting nothing else from me. So, um, so one day we in the grocery store, and my and you know, the lady before my father, she wrote a check. The little white boy took the check, ran it through the little machine, gave her a receipt. Have a good day. So my dad came in with hella groceries though, you know what I'm saying? Black Uh-oh. man with like hundred and something dollars worth of groceries, right? Uh-oh. So, so he pulled up in the joint, and so my dad already made a mental note and he asked that lady for her ID. Mm-hmm. So it's a white lady. So then he came through, and then the man rung up all the groceries. My dad went over and right wrote the check, gave it to him, and then he said, "I need to see your ID." He said, "You won't be seeing my ID today." You didn't check that lady's ID. Um, that's all I'm giving you. They said, it's still a policy. He said, it can't be a policy you enforce because, you know, you ain't check her. And then he said, you know what? I don't even wrote the, wrote the groceries. So they had to unpack all of that. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, give me my check. And, you know, he said, y'all have a good day because if, if you can't accept my check for what it is, you know what I'm saying, it won't be no groceries being brought today. And he walked right up out of there. You know, my my dad used to go to Kentucky Fried Chicken and get the 10-piece, and then he'll eat probably three or four pieces and then take the damn chicken back and tell them they ain't giving the right mix. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all niggas say give me, I asked for two bread. That nigga be like, ate the breast and all, half a wing and everything. And then he'll go take it back. See, the mix wasn't right. I said, I ain't gonna eat the breast first, dog. He's like, so, so my dad had a couple of moments where I was like, man, you can't be serious. But, yo, he would give, like, you know, when it came to anything that he felt like, you know, wasn't being treated fair, he would speak to it, you know, and, uh, uh, and some of the situations was funny. Some of them was serious. Uh, my dad used to go to basketball games when I used to play rec. He used to, he never sat in the stands. He was standing in the corner. He never sat in the stands. He would stand in an area in the gym, and he would make this noise. And every time I got the ball, 
he would say, yep. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> like, in my brain, I know that's my daddy. You know what I'm saying? Right, right, right. <laughs> and I'd be on the floor like, yo, this nigga is saying, yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, what are you doing? And to this day, I don't know if, you know, me and Rod Woods, we played on the um same rec league team for about two, three years straight. And, um... Um and Rod always tells a story about my every time I see Rod to this day he'll tell me the story about him my dad say yep but uh, <laughs> I don't know if that was his way of telling me he was there yeah but he used to make that noise and all the players would laugh I'd be like yo man what your daddy be doing <laughs> yep what be doing? <laughs> I'd be like that's just that's just him man but yeah he had a couple of quirky things like that man that I remember that I thought was funny but he was game face you know what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, tell the truth. When Zenda start playing ball, you gonna do the same thing. Nah, I ain't gonna hear you. <laughs> I got, I got a little different understanding. My my dad ain't care nothing about no basketball. Only you know what I'm saying. So he ain't really you know he just wanted to see us win. He ain't really care about my crossover dribble being low. Right. Um, <laughs> so, Man, so, so. I, um, I'm trying to think. What a funny moment. Um. One of the funniest moments, man, you guys know, and everybody listening probably heard me talk about it before I played football. And um, <clears throat> my dad was my coach. I started playing organized football at eight years old, and um, I played receiver. And so uh, I remember one day, man, we were just, we were, um, you know, just playing catch or whatever. My dad was living in these apartments. This was after my parents' divorce. And, um, you know, so we were playing catch. And I'm catching the ball, and he was he was like, well, you know, you need to start running some routes. You need to practice running your routes. And I was like, okay. So I'm running routes. I'm doing different routes in the route tree or whatever. And, um, you know, so it got to a point where after a while, I mean, because keep in mind now, it's just me and him, right? So I'm the only one running routes. So, you know, after a while as a child, you're going <laughs> you, you to get tired, right? So I guess I wasn't running the routes right or whatever. So he starts fussing. Hey man, you need to hustle. You're not hustling, you know. And that was one of the things that he used to get on me in practice about. He said, "Cause I, would, I would be loafing, and you know, with him being the coach, if I'm dogging it in practice, he gotta, you know, he he's not gonna take. He's gonna be hard on me in practice than he is any other kid because he don't want to show any type of favoritism. So he, I was, you know, kind of jogging back or whatever. Cause I, to be honest, I was tired, and so he was like, he was showing me how to run a post route. He was like. You run a post route like this. So he ran the post route, ran, and I threw the, threw in the ball. And he was – so the next route was an end cut. So you basically just go up 10 yards and then come straight across the middle. And so by this time I'm tired. I don't want to run an end cut. So he he made me run it. I ran it. I ran it like three times back to back. And he was getting on me about coming out of my break. So <coughs> – excuse me. So I'm tired, right? So he's like, I tell you what, I'm going to show you how to do it. And um, so he lines up. I snap the ball. He goes running. And I guess he didn't realize, but he was getting kind of deep. And we were, again, he lived in this apartment complex, and there was this little small tree (laughs) near where we were playing. And he ran his route a little deeper than he should have. And, man, I threw the ball. I I didn't throw the ball at the tree, (laughs) but I threw the ball near the tree. And he ran right into the tree. <laughs> oh my god, man! I ain't even ask if he was okay. I just started laughing, 
because you know if if you saw it from the outside, it, it looked like I set him up. I really didn't set him up because that tree ain't move. I mean, but man, he ran in that tree, and all you heard was throw. <laughs> He hit that tree so hard, man. He sprained his he sprained his thumbs. We had to go in the house and he had to put ice on his thumb. And so he, was, he was all mad, and I was I was thinking to myself, man, hey, man, that's what you get. <laughs> we, we, we could have been done ten minutes ago, but you still want to run routes. Um, so that that was a funny moment. Um, another funny moment, actually, uh, Zell, you was a part of this, I, I, and I'm, I'm a trigger your memory. I know you remember this. Um, one of one of the uh, I guess rites of passage in a young boy's life is to you know go up against his dad in any kind of sporting event and and win or at least play against them. And um, my dad had been talking all kind of trash about you know you know playing hoops or whatever like that. So I was like I said, well, dad, you you know you know I'm I'm a young boy. I'm I'm about fifteen, sixteen at this point. And I'm like I said, dad, I said man, I, I could beat you one on one. I could beat you. I, I said he was like, man, I ain't gonna play you one on one because you jump high. He was like, you know, you do this and you do that. I'm not gonna play against you. He said, I tell you what, you get two of your boys, and I'll get two of my coworkers, and we'll I'll come over to the house. I'll come over to your house and we'll play. And he, I said, okay. I said I'm gonna get Zell and I'll get Tutu. That was our, my my boy that lived down the street, a couple of houses down. And so my dad gets two of his coworkers. And it's going to be a three-on-three match, him and his co-workers against me, Zell, and Tutu. Now, you guys listen to the podcast know that Zell can hoop. And Tutu can hoop. I'm decent, right? So, man, this dude, my dad comes over. His co-workers come over. One dude, he gets out the car. He looking like Elgin Baylor. <laughs> he, got like, he got like seven elbow pads on. He got knee pads on. He got an arm pad on. And he got goggles on like James Worthy. And the other dude, he was looking like a stiff. He looked like Lurch. And I looked at Zell. Zell looked at Tutu. He was like, man, we about to run these fools. <laughs> <laughs> and, man, they got the ball first. And I think they missed the shot. And then so I got So I remember taking the ball out. I threw it to Zell. Bucket. <laughs> the took, took the ball again. Gave it to Tutu. Bucket. <laughs> <laughs> and then next thing I know, man, we start running plays. Man, we ran them. We got we beat them. We were going to fifteen we, by once. We beat them fifteen to one. Ran them off the court. My dad huffing. The game over. My dad huffing and puffing. Me and Zell and Tutu, man, we we straight. We because again, we're sixteen. We, we could have been no more than sixteen. Tutu was fifteen. They huffing and puffing. Dad, run it back. Run it back. Played them again. Fifteen one. <laughs> hey, y'all want to play again? Nah, man, we going to work. We got to go to work tomorrow. We we go home. <laughs> my dad, hey, my dad wanted to play another game, but them, his coworkers like, nah, man, nah, nah, we man, we we tired, we tired. Man, that was so much fun. I man, I bragged and bragged and bragged, and I I was like, Dad, you you can't ever get on the court with me. That was the only time I was allowed to talk trash to my father. But I I talk trash, man. But we and and to be honest with, with all of you. I ain't really score a lot of points. <laughs> it was mostly Zell. <laughs> Zell was jab, jab stepping and crossover and then, and it was funny because like one time they threw the ball in down low to dude, the big big lurch looking dude, and he tried to back Zell down. Zell stole the ball from him, stepped out, hit the, hit the three. I was like, man, we. I mean, it was so funny, man. So there's for those of you listening, there's nothing like beating your father. You know, in in a sport, and even to this day, my boys and like, they they want to play me one on one. Nah, because y'all can they they could probably win now. I ain't playing them. 
I won't even play him in Madden. I don't. Even, I, don't I don't even want to play him in Madden. They want to play me in Madden right now. I don't even let them do it. So yeah, that that was a, another funny memory, man. Just you know, going one on one. You remember that, Zell? Vaguely, I remember your dad. I don't remember all the details, like the pads and the. Oh, lurch, I remember. The guy, the <laughs> I, I remember. I remember playing though. I remember something like that happening. I just don't remember how disrespectful it oh, was. We, we I could remember it was fifteen one fifty one. I didn't remember that, but I knew <laughs> there was a game, and I remember it wasn't. It wasn't too pretty. I didn't remember. That. <laughs> <laughs> I think the first. I think the second game you scored like the first seven points. I mean, like it wasn't even. The jumper was just so wet. I mean, like man, we had so much fun, man. And like I said, I, I talk trash to my dad forever. In fact, when I get off this podcast, I'm gonna call him and remind him how we ran him off the court that day. <laughs> um, next question I want to ask you guys: uh, the father daughter bond. Um, now. You two have daughters. I have a daughter as well. Uh, Derek has two daughters. Zell has a daughter and a son. Um, and I have my I had my three sons, and then my daughter was the last child that we had. Um, y'all didn't tell me about this. Yes, did. <laughs> y'all didn't tell me it was going to be like this. Though. Using using the bliss of having boys. You just yes, ain't sir. listening. Yes, sir. We did. Yes, we did. Y'all didn't tell me it was going to be like this, man. Yes, we did. You still got a long way to go. And I'm gonna be leaning in y'all, man, because she's only seven. That's right. And y'all have you, D, D, you got teenagers, you got a preteen, Zell. I mean, what is it with this father daughter bond? D, I'll start with you. What, what, what is this? What this bond is very special. And um, what what makes it so special? Well, from from my personal experience, I think it's what you make it. I mean, there's there's a. a I don't want to call it a myth, but there's this saying that, you know, uh, girls are daddy, daddy's girls, all that's the daddy's girls. Mm -hmm. Well, I I think that the father still has to make an effort to show what a man is supposed to be. Mm. You can't just have the daughter and just think you're going to automatically have that. That's just my personal opinion. Some may, they may try to fight that because they don't want to do the work, but in my personal experience, you got to put in the work. Um, Kaya is very much like me, hmm. very much like me. She's a little too much like me. Actually. She, <laughs> she, she's scarily like me. She says things sometimes, and I just kind of laugh on the inside thinking, I never said it around her. But I've had to have said it around her because she thinks just like me. So I think you got to put in that work. you got to pay attention to what 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 their needs are. And you got to kind of cater to it, but still have that stern, you know, backing. Like there's people who thought because I was so mean and anal that, oh, you have a daughter, you're going to change. You gonna... It's almost as if I took offense to that. So I was harder on Kaya in the beginning because I didn't want people to think I was a punk now. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And and when people was like, man, that's a girl. I used to go, no, she's not a girl. She's a child. That's where y'all fall off at. Y'all keep thinking that girls and boys are different when it comes to discipline. It's not different. I had to discipline Kaya and eventually Erica in the same ways. I would discipline anyone. I was never trying to kill them. You know, but I had to lay that, that discipline down. And luckily for me, their mother was in line with me in doing that. But um, I, girls, man, I, I, I can't speak for boys. I, I have no sons. Mm-hmm. At least that I know of. I don't know about that. <laughs> um, girls, man, 
they they there are so many little traps. There are so many little like boys. When Kai started liking boys, I used to listen to her talk about the boys, and I used to be like, "Oh, you're so stupid. My daughter could be smarter than this. You got to have game. You can't right. let these little boys run game on you. You little dusty ass boys running game on you." I was taking offense to how soft she was, you know. But then I had to remember that's that's when I had to remember that she is a girl, right? right. You know what I'm saying? When she when she was a baby, baby, I treated her the same. But the older she got, the more she's tried to start developing emotions. I had to peel back a little bit and be a little bit more sensitive to her her needs from from the perspective of her liking boys and boys doing what boys do. You know, but that she, you know, the world over. My boyfriend, we broke up, and the world over. I'm like, shut up. <laughs> you can't say that, D. I know. I no, I never said it out loud, but right, in my right, mind, right. I was like, come on, you my daughter. What are you doing? Why are you crying over that little punk? You know, but it, it's, 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 it was, it was, um, I say it's a bit humbling because you think that because you instill these things in your children that they're going to automatically pick it up. Mm-hmm. And when they don't automatically pick everything up, it, it reminds you that you never stop working on that. Mm-hmm. Because some people raise kids to a certain point and they're like, I've done my job. I'm done. I'm going to the bar. I did my part. No. Actually, it never really stops. And and until you experience it, I don't think you can really relate to it never does. The teachings never stop. The nurturing never stops. The the being there for the... It never stops. It's a never-ending cycle if you're dedicated to what it is. I hate to call it a job because, you know, you can quit a job and all that. You really shouldn't quit parenting. That's just not a thing you should look at it as a job. I look at it as I made a choice to bring them into this world. They didn't choose that. I made that choice. It's my responsibility to do the best I can to provide everything I can for them. When it comes to having girls, I'm just speaking from my perspective, I had to find a level of um, nurturing that I didn't know I had. Mm. You know, I've, I've dealt with women. I've dealt with hoes. I've done all that stuff. That, that done. But when it comes to being a true live nurturer, I had to peel back some of my layers and and and, and let that out because I was always guarded with mine as well. Mm. But I had to show them that I could be vulnerable so that they would feel comfortable being vulnerable to me. Because the worst thing that can happen is they're going through a situation and they don't feel comfortable talking to you about it, coming to you to tell you what's going on. And that was Kaya for a while. She boxed it in as well. I had to peel back a lot of my layers to let her know, hey, listen. Yeah, I don't like it, but I'm not upset with you. Let's work through this. Mm-hmm. I'm going to nurture you through this. I'm going to be your nurturer as well. I love you to death. Mm. I love you to life. So I'm going to be there, but I can't be there unless you allow me to be there. But at the same token, I had to make her feel comfortable allowing me in that space as well. So it, it was a little different for me because I don't have a boy to practice on. You know, <laughs> I, I don't have anybody to be tough and, and you know, get your ass in the lane and turn around and shut up. I had to really peel back a lot of what I thought I was and realize that I couldn't be that person with my daughters. Gotcha. 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 What about you, Zell? Uh, The father daughter bond. Um, man. Yeah. It's, it's different. You know, like, um, as they say, I mean, you, you know, for most daughters, I mean, their father is going to be their first, quote unquote 
boyfriend. You know what I'm saying? Like you, you're the you become the first example of 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 a man that they see, mm-hmm. and whether they understand it, why they're experiencing that, they probably don't. But it plays itself out as you become an adult, as you find mates for yourself. You know how you compare them to your father. All these things happen, you know, in their lives. So the the, the that that bond, you know, is going to carry. You know, it's going to go a long way with your daughter. You know, she's going to live the rest of her life always comparing everybody to their dad. That's just how that's just how life is um, when it comes to daughters. But yeah, the bond is is there. I mean, me, me and Zaria, we we have a um, we you know, first of all, everybody says she looks just like me. So then she that's did. a she and a, she a, really she looks like your sister too. <laughs> yeah, she looks like you so, and your sister. Yeah, so you got you got that element. She would be looking like, and then you know we got the element of, um, you know, we we've been through some some moments, just tough moments as you know, father and daughter. So my my bond with my daughter is a little different because I spent you know maybe two or three years, actually three years away, mm-hmm. um, um, and then I'm back in her life now on, on a more consistent basis, and you know I just provide um, a different kind of relationship because it's just. You know, when you're in a co-parenting dynamic and you, sometimes you don't always have the comprehensive parenting, you know, philosophy. Right. You know, there could be a philosophy on one side that's doesn't play out on the other side. You know, it, it's it's a little bit inconsistent in my life. But, you know, it's not a bad thing. It's just that, you know, I have to be cognizant of that. You know, I can't expect, you know, Zaria or even Zenden, for that matter, to to come around me and then automatically just fit into the way I live when they haven't been living around me. Mm-hmm. So I have to kind of give them some time to make adjustments and whatever. But, you know, our bond is like that. I think I've been um, um, more of a, um, just more understanding and trying to encourage, you know, my daughter to um, have a voice, her own voice and try to find her own voice um and how she views life how she understand how she understand things so i can help with giving her the game or giving her a perspective because if you don't really know how they think sometimes when you come when you give them all the wisdom sometimes it comes across as preachy and they don't they don't listen so you gotta find you gotta find a way to engage conversations with your daughter that they see value in it and a lot of times it's hard to do this as a parent because most parents don't allow their kids to talk, mm. but they just tell them what to do or tell them how to be. And sometimes it's good to kind of listen to your kids and try to figure out where their mind is. And, you know, like Dee was saying, you know, creating a space, an environment where your kids can actually share things with you. Um, and Zara and I, we've been, we've been that, you know, when things get really, really heavy for my daughter, she just called me and just started talking. And I just let her go, you know, and it'd be, mm-hmm. I have to almost suppress my natural self because, you know, I want to fix it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right, I, want, right. I want to, Hey man, this is what you do. Nah, this is what you do. Like <laughs> I want to, I want to, I want to be, Oh man, this what they, that's just game. Nah, that ain't how that work. You know, I'd be wanting to so busy trying to fix it right. that really the power in that whole process is like just allowing them to be heard because that that a lot of times kids don't get heard they just get so busy people telling them what they're doing or if they're doing something right or wrong uh but they never get a chance to just kind of let go and vent we had ti so you know what i'm saying coming up 
where we had a place where you know that kind of thing wasn't frowned upon but you know when you look back at it you don't really have a whole lot of opportunities to have that type of dialogue with people like people don't be boxing out hours out of day to listen to you vent and talk and all that kind of stuff that don't happen right so um these kids don't have a lot of opportunities you know to talk to people express themselves and things like that so my relationship with zaria man has been just that you know we've been watching her grow up and watching her evolve into her little, you know, this little this little young lady that she's becoming. Um, and then me, you know, having to put on different hats in the relationship. Sometimes I got to be the buddy. Sometimes I got to be, you know, no. The answer is no. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, <laughs> no. No and hell no. Yeah, sometimes it's that. And then sometimes it's, it's you know, um, you know, dad, I just need to talk. And she don't say it like that. She'll just call and say, um, guess what, Dad? And then I know in my brain, I say, okay, let me turn off the TV, let me block out, you know what I'm right, saying? Right, right. Let me just get quiet, pay attention, because she's about to tell you some shit. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> so, so let me let me get my uh dad hat on and try to you know help her navigate through whatever it is. So, um, it's a special relationship for, for dads because you know you connect with your daughter. You always want to be protect them and make sure that you know their worlds their lives are perfect you know that's your ideal but you know life ain't like that so then you gotta kind of go through it with them and um and you know you know no one's gonna ever the hardest thing about girls man ain't no ain't no there ain't nobody else that's gonna love your daughter like you love her i mean no other person no other man you know, and it almost sets your kids up for like failure. You know what I'm saying? Like right. in, in relationships, because you know, you know, no one's coming into your life to be your daddy. You know, they coming in your life <laughs> exactly. To be, you know, they coming yeah. in your life to be the. Uh, they coming in your life to be a partner. You know, and um, so I hadn't had to have that conversation yet. She's young, but I anticipate you know that would be a conversation, and that's what I'm looking forward to. Because um, my experience is a lot of times, you know, um, women be trying to marry their daddies, and that ain't that ain't quite. You're not supposed to marry your daddy, yo. So <laughs> hey, it's it's that conversation is coming, dog. Hey, yeah, that's another, yeah. Hey, that's another podcast right there. Another podcast. Hey, because you know a lot of us have been in relationships. And I'm not talking about anybody specifically now, <laughs> uh, but a lot of us have. Ex- <laughs> I mean, no disrespect, but I'm a disrespect. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Go ahead, man. My bad. Go ahead. <laughs> See how you set that up? <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, man. I'm just saying a lot of us have experienced, you know, uh, people, places, and things where. <laughs> <laughs> where um where that has been an issue right and, you know as a, as women as little girls evolve into women you know that dynamic plays out in a lot of relationships adult relationships because of that relationship with the father uh whether it was good or bad mm-hmm. plays out in lives of these kids when they become adults and um it's a that dad issue and i'm gonna just leave it there is a big issue right right, right. and um to the point where people say she got daddy issues. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Right. So whenever whenever they give a social a social um awareness issue like 
and they call it a dad issue. I mean, that's big. You know what I'm saying? And I think that relate that comes from that relationship with your daughter, and then also being helping them understand. You know, helping them. Um, get to a place where they understand the importance and the value of having a father and then where that line is. And, you know, um, you know, father, you know, there's a line there, the line you got to kind of, you know, draw the line in the sand and say, okay, dad, you're a dad and you're the only dad I've ever had. Mm-hmm. Can't recreate dad no way else. Mm-hmm. Amen. Not okay. Even. I'm done. Done. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, that's a great point. Good job. Good I job. think, um, <laughs> I know, right. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, I, I just I remember having conversations with y'all once we found out, uh, you know, that we were having a daughter, and um, I, I just I was like, man, they didn't tell me it's gonna be like this. Like Skylar is just like, I mean, that's my heart, man. That she is, uh, she is something else, and it's like, you know, I want everything to be perfect for her, and I mean, everything can't be perfect for her, obviously, but you know how I handle her and how I handle her brothers, you know, two different things. It, it's funny because it, we were. Um, having dinner as a family and I think Cameron said something about somebody being the favorite and, and Dion looked over, he said, man, everybody knows Skylar's the favorite. And I was like, what do you mean? And so I'm smiling and it's like, dad, we all know Skylar's your favorite child. I was like, I don't have a favorite child. And it's like, dad, stop lying. And I was like, no, I'm not. I'm, I'm being serious. I said, I said, I love all of you to say this. said, no, nah, it ain't about love. They said favorites. And I was like, and it, I mean, like they really caught me in a lie. And I mean, she is she is just you know something else and i just the the bond that we have is is very special and you know i want to i want that to continue to grow and she's like my little best friend and we talk and we get and i mean like i can't go anywhere if i go somewhere daddy where you going can i go you know she wants to go with me and i remember the other day i was like i cooked dinner and she was like daddy we need some cookies for for dessert I was like, Skylar, we had, I cooked Sunday dinner. She was like, I was like, Skylar, we don't need any cookies. She was like, cookies will, will be a good Sunday dessert. She's like, we, we don't have any dessert, so we need uh, cookies for dessert. We can go to the store and buy some cookies. And I was like, Skylar, but it doesn't make any sense for us to go. I said, because the store is about to close. No, the store doesn't close until 10. We got time to go and get, and it was like 7. She was like, we got time to go get some cookies. And I'm like, Skylar, no, I'm not going. And she said, well, why? I said, because I'm not going. Man, ten minutes later, guess who in the car going to the store to get some damn cookies? Never. So I mean, like, I just I'm like, okay, I need to be able to tell her no on some of this stuff because she gonna because <laughs> <laughs> she already knows she got she got me wrapped and it ain't I mean like just not just me but me and her brothers and you know she knows how to play all of us but um you know she she is developing into the young lady that we wanted to be but I, I'm. I constantly, you know, I talk to you guys all the time, so I'm I'm hearing your stories and stuff like that. So you guys with your daughters are where I will be in a few. Because I know the switch happens in middle school, you know, and she's far from middle school. But, you know, you blink time just, you know, the, the one thing that we, you know, that our parents gave us, you know, was time. And, you know, we don't have, you know, when you're working and you're running, ripping and running and you're going to basketball practice and you're going to tennis practice and you're going to piano practice – you know, you providing all these things for your kids. You you want that to be, um, you know, something that they can build themselves on, build their confidence, build their legacy, and what have you. Uh, but you know, we have to give them the, our time too, and our and like you said, it's our attention as well. You know, because you know, a lot of times, you know, you walk in a room, and you know, I know, especially with my oldest, you know, with Dion, you know, I walk in the room, everybody on their cell phone, you know, and then, so we have this thing at, at my house, you know, you can't bring a cell phone to the table. You know, the table, we eat dinner, 
we eat breakfast together. No cell phones. At the, now, if you want to put your cell phone in your pocket, that's fine. But you cannot have a cell phone open at the table because table time is family time. So, um, but yeah, this this father daughter bond, man. We've done the father daughter dances, and man, we did one um, earlier this school year, man. And I just we were dancing on the dance floor, and a song came on, man. And <laughs> she looked up, and for, it it was really really weird. She looked at me, and. She the way she was looking at me, I looked down at her and all I saw was and she had on a red dress, but all I saw was a white dress. And I literally saw like me and her dancing at her wedding. And I was like, man, I had to snap out of it. Next thing I know, a little tear was about to come out my eye. And I'm like, man, hold up. Like I just I left that room and I was almost into the future. And I was like, no, this this can't happen. (laughs) Like I ain't ready for this. But um. But yeah, it, it's a special bond, man. I mean, my sons, you know, I, I'm 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 Rambo on them. You know, I'm hard on them, but psh, I'm I'm soft and I'm softer than a cookie on her, man. It's just it's, and I don't like it, but, but that's what it is. I, I can't I can't help it at this point. But, you know, um, I wonder I wonder, Kate, I, I wonder if if she was the oldest, would you feel the same way? Probably. Probably because I know how you work with the boys before yeah. she got here, and I've never heard you say tears and and weddings and and those type yeah, of words. I mean, so I, yeah. I just wondered if it would have been different if she was the oldest. I'm just trying to get them out the house in college and out of my pockets. <laughs> 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 you know, like we, you know, we we and Sharice and I have joked. You know, like we'll we'll send them to any schools across the country. You know, Skyler, no, you going to Spelman? <laughs> like you ain't going too far. Because my heart just can't take it. And, I mean, I'm going through. We're we about to see what's about to happen with my niece because my niece is about to go off to college. So, I don't know how my brother, and that's my my brother's oldest um, child. That's his only daughter. And so, I'm interested to see how he's going to be because I know the bond he has with his daughter. And my niece is, like, his everything. and She's my everything. So, he's going to be a mess. Um and so, you know, you, you just, but like you said, you, you, you value the time and because, you know, you blink and the time does fly by. And, um, you know, fatherhood is a beautiful thing. And it's something that, you know, we don't necessarily always get right, but we try our best to get right every day. And, you know, being able to see the mistakes that you've made as a father and then, you know, kind of uh, try to rectify them each day and get better each day. Um so yeah, man, that's that's the podcast, man. Before we get out of here, um, uh, y'all got anything y'all want to plug? Tell people where they can find y'all at. Do you got a new <laughs> album coming out? Uh, <laughs> okay, um, I'm working on some joints with RO. Okay, a couple of joints okay. to work on. Um, no, nothing. I don't have any solo joints I'm working on right now. I'm kind of I'm kind of slacking my in my craft, but um. I'm doing some collabs with R.O. and another little rapper. I'm, I'm doing some some stuff with um, y'all know you know before okay, y'all, you okay. know y'all y'all know what's up with that. But other than my my stuff, I'm writing, but I'm not writing specifics. I'm just okay. taking notes. Okay, gotcha, so. gotcha, gotcha. Zell, what about you? Anything popping with you? No, man. You know what I'm saying. I'm, I ain't got nothing to plug. Nothing to say. <laughs> um, you know, I'm uh on Twitter. Easy does it. Va. I think um I think that is Twitter. I don't yeah, know what my that's Twitter. Uh, what's my law? What's my uh, IG? The same thing. <laughs> I think it's the same. I think it's the same, man. You supposed yeah. to know that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you posted. I mean, now. Yeah, you want to know what you posted? He posted yeah. a picture. You posted a picture of a hat last night. I just want to point yeah. it out. Yeah, 
Hey man, you know some late days night, can't. late night drop. I, I, I peaked I late see, night drop. I peaked it. I was like a hat. Yeah. Really, my chief. Okay. Hey, hey, you can't. Everything can't be televised. You know what I'm <laughs> <laughs> I know that's right. I know that's right. <laughs> hey, real, real quick hey. before we get out of here, um, uh, I just thought of this. Uh, most important or important lessons that your father taught you. I, I'll start first. Um, I guess the most important thing my dad taught me. Um, he says three things you got to give a child: uh, love, discipline, and an example to follow. Those are three things that he, he said somebody told him right before I was born, and uh, he did a great job in that. So those are the three things that I try to impart upon my kids, and that's that's my goal. Uh, D, what about you? One of the things that uh, you learned from your father. I think one of the main things Dwight might have taught me, man, was like have have strong, grounded fundamentals and stick to them. Mm. Don't don't ever like curve yourself to fit into something that you're not comfortable with. Be comfortable with who you are and and stick to that. Always stick to who you are at your core, no matter what. Mm. What about you, Zell? Uh, what you gonna do about it? <laughs> <laughs> I can hear your dad saying that. <laughs> yeah, man, that was you know what I mean. You can complain all you want. He, he gonna always the next thing he gonna say is, "What you gonna do about it? How you gonna solve it? How you gonna fix it?" You know that's that's that was him, man. So you know, um, yeah, man, that was the lesson, man. You gotta figure out what you gonna do. You can't stay stuck in the emotion of it being wrong and bad and all that. You gotta figure out what you gonna do about it. So, uh, so that's I, I tell my kids the same thing when they come in with their complaining and every life ain't perfect. My question is, what you gonna do about it? Hey man, then, if your kids ever hit you with that, it's not fair. Yeah. Oh yeah. God. Okay, I thought I was the only one. I'm like, man, life ain't fair. Yeah, no, man. My my daughter going through changing schools and not being able to go to high school. You know, Zara going to ninth grade next year. Wow. And she's not. And she's not going to the school of her choice. She she moved to Suffolk, and now she has to start a new high school where she knows she doesn't know anybody. That's so the anxiety though. is the anxiety has kicked in, you know. Nonetheless, and everybody is everybody's fault. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but you got to put yourself in your in her shoes now. If you had to, if you had to, you were you went. If you didn't go to Wilson and you had to transfer and go to. I don't know, Lake City. <laughs> you can be mad as hell too. I would be mad. And you know what I told her? I said, I apologize. I said, guess what? I went to I went to the same schools that all my friends went to my whole life. Right. So I don't I don't I can't relate to walking into an environment and not knowing not anybody. Knowing anybody. Like I can't relate. You know what I'm saying? My mama taught at the school I went to in high school for God's sake. So right. I never had that anxiety of oh my gosh, I don't know anybody. Like I ain't never had that. So um but yeah, man, so my my thing is, you know, I always give my daughter the same story. I tell her when she was maybe around five or four, we took her to swimming. You know, they told her to jump in the pool. And then the guy didn't, you know, was going to see how she could swim without him helping her. Mm-hmm. And then she felt like she was going to drown. She jumped out of the pool and she cried and cried and didn't want to get back in. So we we didn't force her to go back in the pool. But then years later, I told Zara, I said, look, we're going to get back in this pool because I don't like quitting on stuff. And you ain't going to quit, so we're going to get back in this pool. Now, to this day, dog, this girl jumping in 12 feet, cutting <laughs> all up and down. And I always use that as an example of how things are hard in the beginning, and then you, you, you end up conquering your fears, and then you ultimately end up being successful. That's what I kind of gave her that same speech about going to a new place. You ain't going to know nobody, 
But after the first day, you're going to know one more person than you knew yesterday. And it's just going to keep growing. So you just got to, you know, not be scared to take the step. Now, I know we was closing the podcast. So I'm saying, <laughs> <laughs> no, we're about to close. We good. We good. But, but, but you know, I, I go for another hour. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Hey, I'll go for another hour if I ain't know uh, Westbrook and Damon Lillard's about to fight tonight. So I'm gonna, I ain't going to miss that tonight. I might, I might have to stay and watch that whole one oh, yeah, tonight, watch baby. That watch that game. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, as always, man, first and foremost, man, thank y'all for coming on like y'all always do, man. I never – all I got to do is just ask and, and, and y'all on. So I definitely appreciate it. And definitely want to appreciate everybody who listens and supports the podcast. Um you know these are two of my boys so this this is this is light work this is just a regular combo with us this is how we are all the time 24 7 um so thank you for checking out the latest edition of the 12 kyle podcast so for my man d love hall for my man easy does it va uh, i'm your boy 12 kyle we'll catch you guys next time five g's